Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 498th episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer, your host. Today we have Oleg Campbell, but I made him give us his real name. Um, Oleg Bielozor from the Ukraine. Uh, we get into why he changed his name and why he's going back. Uh, how he made his vision, his dream, a reality. Uh, the sacrifices he made, uh, how he plotted things out, how he methodically went about um, achieving his goals, uh, and how he's really only just beginning. But uh, this goes back to 2009. Uh, English was his second language, you'll notice. Uh, he's got a pretty strong accent, but um, it's it's worth listening to, making you focus. If you're like me, I mean, I listen to podcasts usually at double speed. But if somebody, if they have a strong like British accent, Australian, you know, I got to slow it down to one and a half. So you'll probably slow this down a little bit. Um, but uh, again, it's it's worth it. We we peel all this back. His his story is just really cool. He's still a young guy, um, and how he turned things around, how he outsourced uh, some key work so he could focus. Uh, how he's doing it again. Um, I just, I think you're in for a treat with this. So, um, and as I mentioned before, I'm, I am fired up on some things I'm working on tightening up the, uh, sell more of everything program, um, all types of content, uh, the seven deadly sins of selling, um, the make every sale 41 video series it's on demand, the, the workbook I'm adding to with, I'm going through all this and documenting everything in a very uh, detailed uh, Google sheet to help you stay on task. I'm doing this. Um, I'm doing a five-week intensive starting next week for a software client, training 21 of their people. Uh, we're going to get all 100 of them this year. So it's forcing me to up my game. It's cool. It's exciting, and you're going to benefit from it. So if you're in the the program. Um, you're going to get me at my best in a long time. Uh, I've been coasting. You know, I've talked to people, and um, it's nice when you when you want to coast. It's good to be able to, um, but you can't coast too long. And I've coasted too long. I've been doing more on the on my blog. Uh, I've got a good assistant uh, tightening things up, um, launching um, my real estate business real estate investing business. I'm not a realtor. Uh, my son's a realtor, but we're not doing traditional real estate. You know, they always say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Um, so I love getting busy again. The creative juices are flowing, working on the diary of a wimpy salesman book, um, tightening up the online program. So come join every Monday morning. We get after it. So if you want to grow, um, that's the way to do it. Because not only do we get on the calls, but uh, there's a private group. You can ask questions at any time. So you're never more than a few hours away at most from hearing from me if you need help. Okay? Sellmoreofeverything.com. Now let's bring on Oleg. Oleg Campbell, all the way from the Ukraine, founder of Reply.io. Welcome to the sales podcast, man. How the heck are you? Hey, Wes. Thanks for having me. So how um, how does a Ukrainian go to San Francisco, then Canada, then back, and create a sales tool for LinkedIn? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a circuitous route. That's a good question, and I think I have a long answer for it. So again, <laughs> if yeah, I'll try to be brief, yeah, if you don't mind. So sure. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll tell a bit of my story. And I started my career as a programmer. I liked, like, loved programming from childhood. And uh, basically, I thought, again, I started working as a programmer at 19 in Ukraine. But I kind of know that I always want to work, uh, go to North America and work as programmer in North America. That's where all the technologies are. And somehow I heard that you can make there a lot of money. So I had this dream, uh, go to America and work as programmer and make real money. Nice. Uh, yeah, and I think when I had uh, like two years of experience as a programmer, I thought I'm good enough 
So I'm ready to go to United States and make a lot of money. And basically, again, I started kind of finding the ways how to get to United States, all this, this dreamland. And basically, I ended up again going, I found it's much, it was much easier to go to Canada and there were some opportunities to get work visa, to get just visa. So I ended up going to Canada actually first. And I spent four years in Vancouver, even immigrated to Canada. And at that time, basically, once I arrived to Canada, I found a job as a programmer. It was uh, not easy to do, especially I arrived to Canada at, in, at the year of 2009, where it was a bit crisis, but I managed to find a job. At, at the same time, when I was looking for a job and working as a programmer in Canada, I want to do a business. I want to have a, like create my own uh, startup. And basically, at that time, I uh, started going to different entrepreneurial events and try to get myself familiar with entrepreneurship, with business. And what, yeah, and on one of these events, I met my future co-founder of my first business and basically started this uh, adventure in the business. Dang. So uh, how good was your English when you came over to Canada? Another good question. I think... Everyone who comes to Canada or to America, when they come, they think that English is good. <laughs> when they come, they realize it's not quite good. I mean, it was good for some type of conversation, but definitely uh, it was hard to communicate, uh, hard to communicate over phone and hard to do like simple, basic stuff. I think my English was okay, but usually, again, I need to tell something a few times until someone understands me or um, basically... Yeah, or I, and I remember for the first two years making a phone call, it was a stress. Or F, it was a stress. Right. So uh, it could be many times I pick up the phone and I can't understand what they want from me or, or the person right. can't understand me. Yeah. So why, why were you making phone calls if you were a computer programmer? Was this to, to try to sell your own business or was no, were you doing other work? Yeah, initially phone calls was for interviews when I wanted to find a job as a programmer. So that's the first. But then after just daily things like banking and just regular uh, calls, like call from bank, call to oh. bank, all these regular calls that may appear while, gotcha. while you leave. And so in computer programming, is it, is it, are the languages universal? Right. I mean, I know like with the Cyrillic alphabet, I mean, it's different than uh, what we use right over North America and the rest of Europe. Uh, but are you like if you learn a Python or whatever, do you does like do the Chinese and Ukrainians and Americans, do you code the same way? Yeah, I, uh you're right. So we call it the same way. So it's okay. universal. Moreover, again, most of the programmers, uh, we can read, they can read in English. So basically a lot of materials, a lot of educational materials are in English. So usually programmers um, can do that. That's why, again, you may see all this tech hire people all over the world uh, because it's more important. Uh, yeah, because it's universal. Now, because it's programming, uh, I mean, I've hired, uh, I had an editor or uh, a guy did the digital version of my second book uh, and he was in the Ukraine mm -hmm. uh, or I, I'm sorry, I, he was uh, in Romania. So nearby. Um, could you, did you want the experience of working in North America or can you get paid more? So you want to come over here? Like what, uh, what propelled yeah. you to come over? I think as it as this time, it was kind of a dream. Uh, I don't know. I just had this dream from the age of like fifteen or sixteen. But I think for the most of people, it could be higher pay. But I believe nowadays, maybe it was a different pay in five years ago, ten years ago. Right now, with all these remote job possibilities, you can actually get paid the same in India, for example, or Philippines. You can you can get paid the same am amount of money that you would be paid in US, but cost of living in India or Philippines a few times or significantly lower. So right. actually you can make more money at, at the end of the day. So I think there's a few reasons. And the first reason, again, if you work at some top tech companies, Google, Apple, more speed, you'll get 
of this ability to work in this huge company. And third, I think a lot of people would come come for the security, security that uh, these like, developed countries can provide that like um, some other countries can't. And right. I think it's yeah. One, I think it's you brought up a really interesting question. So I believe initially I went to Canada for the security, but once I got the security, uh, like again and again become I don't know got the security. I think right, uh, I I started looking more for opportunities, and this right. interested me more right now. And I believe world become more horizontal. So people, this uh, especially with remote work with internet. Um, yeah, we basically, uh, it's, it's depend, your level of life less depend on where you are uh, based, but more depend if you have this profession that where you can work online, but it more depends basically on your skills. So some people in um, third world, world countries could make more money than people in North America because they're just good programmers, for example. Mm-hmm. When you say security, what do you mean? Just like, like job security or what, was it easier to get hired in, in Canada? Uh, security, since uh, I think for me, security at that point was, uh, uh, I don't know, I think it, I was overthinking a bit. Uh, uh, just everything. Another thing is wanted to see a country where everything is right. I mean, now I understand that even in the United States, not everything right. But at that point, again, in my country, in Ukraine, you've seen a lot of things just done, done poorly, government run poorly, like everything is corrupted, bad police, bad medical uh, system, and all the, basically, um, everything is super old, right? So basically, security in terms of better protections, uh, less like crime, etc. But I think it's all like um, very subjective right now as I look at, at uh, to this uh, to this right now. Right. So you did you have a job when you went to Canada, or did you just show up and start looking? No, I, I show up and start looking. Actually, that was one of my challenge. I didn't want to find a job as a programmer remotely. That would be too easy. So I wanted to come to Canada and find my way. Yeah, so that's what I did. Nice. So uh, I, mean, I guess there's channels you have to go through. Right? I mean, you have to apply for a work visa and all that. Uh, I think uh, then, um, yeah, basically I got work visa right away. So there was a program. And it's another reason why I went to Canada because there were work and study so basically you could apply to college it's just language school basically and you'll receive a permit to work as well as student permit so because uh, this program i suppose it's you study for three months and then work for three months or or um it was the beginning so basically uh i had that and um, and how I found the job, actually, it's an interesting story as well, since I was sending resumes, no one was responding. And then I decided uh, to make a fake job post on Craigslist to see the demand to test the word. And in one day, uh, to this fake job post, that I pretended that I'm hiring someone on behalf of the company, I got around 50 resumes from different, different, uh, from experienced people like who has 10 and 15 years in programming from all over Canada and US. So basically I realized that I will not be able to find job with such a high competitions through sending just resumes. So um, so my way to find job was to go to all possible networking events to practice my English, to make connections. And eventually I found a job through some, through these networking events. Interesting. So, so you, you ran the ad. <laughs> Uh, just to see, I mean, and you know what, I'd say it's probably gotten worse, right? This was 2009. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and I always tell people it's, I mean, just sitting around sending, emailing your resume out. It's like, good yeah. luck with that. Crazy. Uh, and yeah. And there's no networking events right now. It's tough. Right. So, so just good old face to face. So how long did it take you to get a job? Uh, let's see. Um, I think maybe one and a half months, something like that, or I think up to two months. Yeah. But again, at the same time, I would need to go to school. So that was taking some time. Uh, yeah. I think in the first, I think on probably month second, I was able to find. 
a job. Yeah, but again, how I found it, I think it again, maybe good for someone who needed a job, job. So I found it in a very small company. So basically it was a boutique company and there were basically, um, it's much, much easier interview process. And basically they just need someone. And, uh, and I was programmer that just took me because I didn't ask much for pay and uh, I just show up, just met them on a networking round. So again, if you apply for a job, you may start again from some smaller companies, it could be possibility and just easy entry level. How does somebody hire a computer programmer? I mean, what, what's the test? Do, do they give you a test? They hear, you know, go code something? Um, good question. So there's, usually they would do an interview. First, ask what you've worked on. Second, we'll ask you some technical questions based on technologies you work with. And, and they may give you test tasks. And I remember one of, uh, one of interviews, they gave me test tasks. And yeah, and actually, I, I basically passed this interview because I did, once they gave me the task, the same day, I kind of did this test task and sent them back. And basically, uh, they um, appreciated that I did it right away and did it well. So they gave me job offer. Very cool. So how long were you working for someone else before you started working on reply.io? Cause you, you've had this company now almost seven years, right? Going back to 2014. That's correct. I think I worked for someone um, around four years, but uh, maybe it could be another tip for someone who want to start a company uh, on my last job. So basically when I working in Canada, I, st- I, I started building company while I was working full-time after the job. So how this happened, I realized I was saving money and I realized I got to ask myself, why am I saving money? And the answer was to start a business. And then I thought, oh, why can't I do it right away with um, just with this money that I receive monthly? So what I did while I was working full-time as a programmer in Canada for the high uh, pay, I was basically taking part of this salary and paying someone in Ukraine to work full-time on my project. And at night I was kind of, because of different time zone, at night I would manage this like programmer in Ukraine uh, to build uh, like to the product. And basically that what I called um, for the, at the beginning, it was just unlimited investment. So as far as I work, I could support building like my product. Very nice. Um, pretty savvy there. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so you, you knew what you wanted. You just didn't have all the time in the world. So um, made sure that um, they got it done for you. That's cool. So how long, how long did you use someone else? You know, how long before you could go out on your own? Uh, I think, again, it takes uh, for both my companies, replies, the second company, first one was uh, called Tago, so it was a system for creating and tracking QR codes. Basically, it took, uh, for both companies, it took around a year to get um, the businesses uh, going. So usually it takes around a year, so sometimes it could be nine months, I don't know, to basically to build products that are ready uh, to, for public. And yeah, so basically it took me one year to build this product and as well another like six months, I believe, until we got to like around uh, after the launch to around um, 8K and the monthly revenue. So it was enough for me to, so I was able to leave a, a job because again, 8K, it's not big money, but it was enough for, for three people yeah, just to leave. So how did you get your first customers? Uh, good question. So for the first business, I think um, a lot of people, when they start business, they basically uh, don't, some of them may not spend a lot of time on marketing. Uh, how, so basically when I started doing business, I spent a lot of time learning marketing. It's the same I was learning programming before. So when, when it, the time came to launch my first business, basically I used marketing skills that I learned before. So I did SEO and like we created some content, link building, all that stuff. And second, I did like Google ads. 
So as well, I had some, I, I was investing, it was not a lot of money, maybe a few hundred dollars. I was investing in real ads. And magically, I think certain thing is, could be just uh, luck or as well understanding that, that we made the right move. So we built QR code management system uh, in a year where QR codes become very popular in North America. And basically we made the presence on uh, Google. If someone was searching for QR code management software, they either would see our website from organic search or our ad. They basically would go uh, to the website, sign up for a trial and use product. So some of them, pro since I was a programmer, we didn't have sales team, no one even calling us. So they would go, go and buy product. But as well, again, we had a phone number on the website. And I remember uh, I was working my day job and I had someone calling me saying, hey, I just paid for Tago. And there was two things that shocked me at the time. Someone uh, basically wanted to pay for our software. And second is someone called it by name. The name we just came up, it was not existed before, right? So I, it was, I was so happy. Um, yeah, so basically we had some problems with payment, but we went get this payment through. So basically we were just getting a lot of, not a lot of what we were getting inbound traffic that would be buying our software. And funny enough, we had Vendis came to us through like just Google search and actually become our customers, just signing up right from the website. Yeah. Oh, I was on mute. So, um, so that's cool. How did you decide what to build? Right. So you, you've launched a couple of companies now. Um, how do you look around and go, okay, that's a problem that needs to be solved. Okay. I think uh, the most learning I can find, uh, I can basically, I, I can share when I was looking for my second business idea was, which is reply. So basically with Stago, that was idea of my business partners, basically somehow, somehow he saw that in, he had been to China, but he saw, I don't know where, that in China, QR codes are very popular and they everywhere. And he noticed that QR codes appearing in Canada. So he said, hey, it may be a big thing. Let's build some. And so we built it around QR codes. But the problem is that it was become a big thing only for a year and then trend went down. Uh, we may create like QR code track, like inventory system. Again, there's still some usage of QR codes, but it's very niche specific. And at the time I decided I was not interested in building inventory system. It's, it sounded a bit boring to me. So I was looking, uh, since I've seen this basically Tago, what's happened, it's reached its level. So we reached like 10,000 in monthly revenue, $10,000 in monthly revenue, and we're not able to grow it further. So we were investing more in marketing, in SEO, but it was just not growing. We even wanted to hire a salesman to help us sell, but we don't know who to hire and what this person sh should do, who to sell. So basically, I spent after, so I spent on Tago around three years trying to first year build and second the third year trying to grow it and then i've seen again all the efforts didn't bring results to grow it so i decided to put it on autopilot and uh, basically just don't work on the project it will again software run it's bringing us some money i'll just collect money until it like die and um, basically and started looking for a new it took me around a year to find a new idea and I think that's one point here that, again, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you'll have all this crazy, uh, all up and downs. It could be time where you will be bu very busy. It could be a year of just frustration trying to find new idea. So it was a year of frustration for me, just trying to figure out what I want to build next, playing with a couple ideas and trying to build some prototype. But eventually, uh, how I built this idea, and I think this could be useful, I created a list of 10 things that I wanted to do if I have unlimited MasterCard, if I don't need to work anymore. So it was sport, it was some like uh, non, like rest medicine or is like non-traditional non medicine. There was sport, all, all of these different things. And there was on the list as well, B2B sales. It was B2B sales because I had no idea how it worked. It's, it was mystery field for me and I was just interested to understand and there were some other basically things 
then I looked at this list and I thought, what one of these ideas uh, could bring the best, like may have the best financial potential. Someone, again, some, someone may look to this list and say, what, what, what one of these basically field, which one of these um, basically field of interest may bring the most contribution to the world. So basically I choose B2B sales and I, and for the next six, uh, I think even for the next nine months, I actually immersed myself into B2B sales. I learned everything I can from on B2B sales. I even tried to sell, uh, to become a B2B sales for one of my friend's startup. I was trying to do outbound sales for them. I realized how hard it is. I, and uh, again, I learned the way, I learned a lot. So again, being immersed in B2B sales, I was able to realize, to kind of find the tool uh, that... Uh, Kind of understand what tools are existing and what tools are missing. So I, I believe a lot of people, when they build their startup, they make this mistake. They build something that is already there or they build something that no one is needed. So, and I basically, by doing this work, I understand, hey, I need this tool and this is thing that I want to have in my process to make it more effective. And I see it is, I need it, but I don't see anything on the market or really like, done poorly so basically first i understood the market second i basically found the idea and again decided to implement it and build product around it nice so what's easier being a programmer or a b2b salesman be I careful how you answer this no easier to be i i think it's easier to be a pro and i can explain why i mean being a programmer it was as well hard and frustrating at the beginning Someone give you at your job, someone give you a task that you have no idea how to do it, right? And you spend like nights and days and tr days trying to kind of build it. And it could be a lot of failures. You can override the code. But eventually, again, um, you find your way out. In B2B sales, I had the same problem, like how to sell the problem, like product, especially I'm talking about outbound sales, not inbound one, outbound sales, how to build outbound sales from scratch, product no one knows, you don't know who may need this, and you're just knocking in the door, and it's, yeah, very frustrating, very hard to get this going. Uh, I love it. So many people, because right, the grass is always greener, yeah. right? The developers, look at those salespeople, all they do, they go golf, they mm -hmm take clients to dinner. They're just dummies. They have it so easy. They make all the money and like, yeah, come try it for a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, just make it look the, easy. Yeah. I think it's as well, it's two types of people. First, uh, like salespeople, I think someone should be national, like good at conversation and should love talking to people and programmer, they're more introverts, right? So for me, uh, I, what I realized at the time, it's much easier to write a code when I just focused and not distracted than spend my energy talking. It's required as well. So much energy you need to show up to this meeting, right? All this time we have, we have five meetings during the day. It's, uh, it's adding much stress, whether when you do coding, you can just, again, just sit quietly and just think. Right. So you've got your one business, Tago, right? It's just kind of yeah. running on autopilot. You are in the searching research phase. Um, you come across the idea now for reply.io. Um, how long did it take to develop that before you got your first customer? Okay, good question. Uh, it took four months and I had the goal. I will, another problem a lot of entrepreneurs do, they just take it too long to build and just make it too complicated, too sophisticated. So my goal was to build like most viable product or uh, as much as possible and get the first money as, as fast as possible. So it took me four months from like first line of code to basically to first sale. Then again, once we did first sale, it took us maybe another nine months to polish it and just ready to this full production use, uh, um, make it like like real release before it was kind of really uh, most a prototype. Like it, whether it was working, it was bringing value, so we could charge. For it. How do you get those first customers? Do you do you give it away? Do you do you sell it at a deep discount? You know, yeah. how do you get somebody to buy in and trust you? 
Yeah, and at the time, so first of all, like these people, this will be all early adopters who will be buying. So these people who are national, so basically who they are open to trying something new, something that is they know is like scratchy or not fully ready yet, but they kind of interested in new technologies. And uh, I think so. How I found them first, I did a post on. So I think it worked at that time. This time it could be different strategy. This time it could be like. I think what work will work is the launch on the product hand. I know if you're familiar, it's basically all the new products launched. At that time, it was no product hand. I was on Q&A website like Quora. So basically, if someone was looking for something that they have, I would just answer, say, hey, we just built a tool for this and providing a link. So first people, they were finding our, our tool through this like uh, Quora Q&A website. And yeah, I, I sell a huge discount instead of our we, we were charging seventy dollars per user, and I believe I charged my first user like thirty five dollars per user, like fifty percent discount. Yeah. I don't probably not right now. I wouldn't do that and would not suggest. But at the time, it did work for me. Sure. So, were you doing the coding, or were you still paying people? back in the Ukraine to do it while you did other things. Yeah, I think at the time I already came back to Ukraine and I hired programmer right away. So actually during this year when I was researching what I'm going to do, I actually built a few prototypes by myself. Uh, but when I kind of discovered this idea of free glider, yo, I thought, you know, this is something here. I need to go go uh, like full steam ahead and I need to hire a developer right away to work with this full time. So I hired a developer right away. And basically I was using money that were coming from Tago. So uh, that's another reason why I moved to Ukraine because Tago were giving me, because I had a partner there, had some employees there. Tago were giving me around $3,000 per month. And when I booked, moved to Ukraine, I was able to live on $1,000 per month and cost of living much cheaper there and then pay first developer like $2,000 salary. And that's how it started. Very cool. Yeah. So you, you're developing this, you're living in the Ukraine, but the market was North America, right? Right. So how do you start reaching those prospects, you know, to begin making those sales? So we, since I was living, again, first product Tago, I was doing marketing for North American market. And then again, I lived in like North America for five, over five years. So I, think I had some understanding. Another thing is uh, basically, yeah, I was just making all these calls at night, making demos at night. It was hard. And when you do, like, you need to do a call at 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m., your time, and then and you work, again, usually from, from the morning till this night. So I was basically, yeah, selling from here. But once we got, I think, once we got, once we, were, we got to 10,000 in revenue, 10,000 monthly, $10,000 in monthly revenue, I was able to, fire, to hire first sales rep, uh, and we hired someone in Toronto. So basically at that time, I may not do um, this night calls and have someone in Canada who's that time zone, who's native to like North American culture, basically I do all these calls. But it's a really good question. And I think, again, I'm really fun, uh, like fan of notion that, again, we're, I don't know, it's kind of, I think it's very futuristic. But I believe, I don't know, who knows, maybe 100 years from now, there will be no countries. There will be like, let's say English all around the world. So we don't have these borders. We don't have this miscommunications and we can just, again, build businesses or uh, like, again, do science without uh, kind of uh, these borders. Because I think that's where, where it goes with our uh, seeing how connected we are and how more connected we becoming. Right. Uh, how did you compensate that first salesperson? Was it was it more commission? Was it was it like a salary for a short time, then replaced by commission? Because that's always a a balancing act. Getting yeah. a good person on board, and, and how do you compensate them? Yeah, so I think as it was a salary and as well a good, uh, I would say, option pool. I think at the time I was I was looking for VP of sales. And basically, I, I was ready to give 5% of company. 
then and VP of sales role and just <laughs> the lowest salary he would accept, right? So I think I think I was trying to sell again. The, the idea here would to be find someone who whom just want to work with a startup and have some like percent or stake in the company. So I found a person who has been on the corporate jobs before. He kind of have saved some money so he could basically jump into this venture and for some time kind of to get this cut of salary in, uh, but, but get a percent from the company. Very cool. So what's, um, what compelled you to move back or did, did you move back to the States once, once that was up yeah. and running and then move back to the Ukraine again? Yeah, I think I was going between U.S. and Ukraine and Canada sometime. Uh, that's my again, my vision and goal was to build, and right now it's to build a global company. Ideally, I want to hire people whenever they are. I just want to hire the best people whenever they are. Well, it's hard to do again since we'll, uh, it's not easy to do. But I really want to have a global business, and um, how it works that time I was. Usually I was spending like three months in like US and then the rest of time I was like nine months in uh, Ukraine. And another thing this I want to mention, uh, and I think I, at that time I didn't really need to be in US because we had sales teams there and they may again do all the sales. The reason I would go to US and just for conferences or just meet with some customers or talk to investors, I was researching these opportunities. So it was enough to be just maybe come once a year for a few months. And um, yeah. Very cool. So reply.io it's is it specifically tied to uh linkedin right actually you made it a bit uh incorrect so we started with emails and we do have linkedin right now we do like email automation and and sending emails and follow-ups it's not just autoresponder it's much more features beyond it's like different we have some ai inside it's like a, a lot of things to automate your like day-to-day uh, -day process but right now we have it's multi-channel um i would say uh, it's a multi-channel platform so we have email linkedin we have sms we have uh like whatsapp whatsapp uh and um we have phone calls. So basically right now, the best approach would be multi-channel since some people already stop checking emails. Some people don't check LinkedIn. And if you want to reach out to someone, you need to use channels where they are. So for example, in Reply, we use our own tool. Once we implemented multi-channel approach to talk with our inbound leads, we see conversion raised to X. So basically, we may again try to email someone. We see some like the system will email someone and see that email is not getting a response, then automated SMS could be sent. And basically SMS could say, hey, Jason, I just sent you email reply trial. And then please call me back, back if you're interested to like to talk on reply, let's say. And then what we would see is that people would reply to this SMS or calling back saying, hey, thanks for sending SMS. I don't check my emails. Right. So someone may not check this email. Someone may not check LinkedIn. So I think it's, um, it's where we're heading to use multiple uh, channels to uh, communicate with customers. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm um, so funny. I just got a text this morning from a, a business. They ran an ad on Facebook. Um, and it's one of these uh, stretching company is like so it's like it's not a chiropractor it's not a massage they they literally stretch you you know mm -hmm. and and i've been wanting to try those uh, i guess there's a new one here and i don't know because of covid maybe they weren't as active so i i filled something out like i forget i mean like at least two weeks ago maybe three mm -hmm. weeks ago and like i heard nothing and then this morning i get a text mm -hmm. <laughs> like where have y'all been you know, now I'm texting. I'm like, Hey, I'll come in. You know, they, they they're not following up. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, as a, being a sales and marketing guy, it just kills me. Um, so with your software, uh, is it standalone or do I need my own CRM? And then yours is like an engine kind of like that helps sort of supercharge my CRM. 
Yeah, good question. And maybe again, it's good to tell more about our system. So basically, it could be used as standalone application, and but and it could be and most of our users use it together with CRM. So how we explain it, CRM is where all your data is stored. And usually CRM would have some kind of communication functionality, some kind of, uh, but usually uh, uh, it's not that great. It doesn't uh, kind of, sometimes emails sent through CRM would like um, see, like look like robotic or go, go into updates folder of, of in Gmail. Uh, so it's just, and with reply, we decided we're not going to build CRM. We decided we build communications, one-to-many communication kind of platform and focus on making communication really well. So we could use, yeah, so we would use Reply with your CRM platform. So basically one use case could be, have your trial leads or your like inbound leads or outbound leads. You feed them into Reply. Reply makes sure uh, it works with these leads to book a meeting once you take a meeting and basically ready to close this person or just move to opportunity stage, stage you would you basically will work with this prospect in CRM. At some point, for example, or you closed this prospect as a customer and you want to, let's say, follow up with this customer in a few weeks, you may add them again to our communication platform to automatically send some follow-up emails. So basically, idea here is just have all communication in our platform and data still be in CRM. While again, I, I see right now it's a bit blurring. A lot of this uh, software like sales engagement software like we are starting adding like CRM functionality, basic one. So I think again, we have it as well. So for some simple reasons, you could even use it as a CRM, but for more comprehensive big teams, I think you'll need NCRM and communication tool. And one thing I just want to mention, CRMs like HubSpot, they adding this communication part as well. But the problem, this communication part, it's not still not that good as we do it. Right? That's why people still uh, do like integration and use Boss. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm adding the extension right now to my Chrome. Um, mm -hmm. You've got sales engagement, you've got email search. So this will go out and and what scour the internet to to find valid emails for people for leads yeah we've got, yeah for our Chrome extension so basically it's search for for emails on linkedin so you need to basically create a search criteria on linkedin what kind of people you want to find and basically we'll synchronize with uh, with linkedin and just and pull this list of people let's say you want to find vp of sales in uh, san francisco so you make search on linkedin you open our extension, we'll basically synchronize with LinkedIn. We'll just pull all these people names and find emails for them. Uh, we, we cannot guarantee 100% of emails will be found, but a lot of emails will be found. It also depends on the kind of industry region. Uh, and as well, we're working with right now on integration with third party provider, which, allow, will, which will help us find phone numbers as well. So once you basically found all these leads that you need, uh, you could add them into reply sequence. And then reply could automatically send an email, send a text message, or basically uh, in semi-automated way, since LinkedIn doesn't like full automation, you could basically send LinkedIn requests to these people. So mm -hmm. basically we'll create a task for you. So basically we'll just pre-fill LinkedIn um, message and LinkedIn connect your template but you'll still need to click a button connect we'll just make it a bit faster got you very cool well i am uh, i'm going through it right now i like it uh, did i miss anything is there anything um you want to point out or highlight that we didn't cover uh, yeah, let me think. I think uh, thanks a lot, Vas, for uh, I, for your questions. It's really in deep, and I understand as interviewers, maybe not easy to kind of uh, come up with these questions. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I don't. Know, maybe I'll share some tips that's maybe useful for the sales audience. Something sure. that we find. Uh, thanks. We use our own tool, and we we do the sales as well. Um, again, a few tips. So one tip is it was already shared, try to use multi-channel approach. Someone may not check email, some and check only LinkedIn. Someone may, again, um, don't like phone calls, but will be fine to receive SMS. 
And I believe systems in future will tell you what is preferred channel for this person. And right now, I think we're quite not there, but in future it will be. So first use, uh, again, communication with your prospect, use multiple um, touch points. Second, and I think it's basic in account-based selling. If someone is not replying to you from this organization, try someone else. But uh, as well, what we found, uh, there is a really cool tool called Albacross. There's different tools that would analyze what companies comes to your website. So it, um, right now, our whole outbound team, first, what they do, they will work and research and find leads that came to our website. So basically, we have names of companies that came to our website. And then we'll research these companies and try to find buyer persona in these companies and reach out to them. So basically, even if they don't give us email, if they just came to the website and left, we still can identify like what company has visited. And again, this shows that this company has interest and we, again, and our solution could be a fit for them. So that's another point. Uh, again, instead of just going first, obviously should go after your inbound leads and second instead of going second i think you should go after your website leads who didn't provide email and third only after you should go uh, with your outbound strategy an outbound strategy as well it would be good to have some triggers uh, and just not go just by list and on linkedin but try to find some triggers if you're selling for example software for sales try to find companies that's hard or hiring sales team right now. So basically, again, meaning they have some expansions, they may be more open to like try new technologies and, as, and use some other triggers. You could be many of them. It's like different technologies they use. Usually if they buy one technology, they may need another one. Um, so you may check what kind of technologies they use. So there would be uh, another advice or recommendation. And, uh, and I think and maybe like third one would be Mm. So in reply, we, uh, like for example, we basically, um, I think it could be important for someone who's selling like online or like selling software product. In reply, basically we want to be transparent with our pricing. And I'm, I hate like to hide pricing from website, but I understand if we hide pricing, we may make a lot of money at the end of the day. But for me, again, I make into business not only to make money and the transparency is one of the values I have. So, but what happened if, again, you have your, but if you have your, um, let's say, so on re, for reply, we have website, our pricing on uh, pricing. On our website, we have um, our, um, we have our, anyone could set up for a trial and play with the system but this works well for small companies but what happened let's say if coca-cola comes to you right it's not the best process if someone from coca-cola go and and try to play with your trial have no luck with this and probably you'll not be able any get you'll not again you probably will not be able to engage with this person again uh in future, because again, if they came, they didn't understand how it's worked, probably they will ignore you, ignore your emails, ignore your phone calls, and they already know this system. Again, they've seen you already. So for these people, you would need demo. And ideally, you don't want to show them trial. You want to get them on a demo. So what we did in reply, and we're kind of still experimenting with this. So we used Clearbit to identify company size. And when someone enters the email for a trial, so if we see that it's a smaller customer, we'll let them play with product and get with trial. If we see it's a customer, let's say more than 100 people, we basically would uh, suggest them an open screen, like currently to book a demo with us, to book a, like, uh, we call it like discount, we call it, call it, just make it a bit fun, not call it demo, but call it onboarding session. And basically we ask these customers to board a boarding session. If they don't like, they can always chat with us and tell us, hey, I don't need this. Just let me in into trial. We'll do that. But most of the companies they used to this sales process and um, they would book a demo with you. So again, by doing this, we're still transparent with uh, like our pricing with our product, but we small users can go through trial flow and bigger companies will, will, will go through the demo, which I think is fine because that's their buying process. And if you do, if you do 
if someone from uh, like let's say big company come to you 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 don't want to then play with your system by himself you want to have them on demo and you want to have on this demo few stakeholders right you want to do demo for a team and basically that's why again i think it's uh, um it's fair to um invite the whole team and ask to go through demo with your software yeah yeah you got to get them using it it's not enough to make that sale you want them to keep it Mm -hmm. um, and in order to keep it, they've got to get a benefit from it. Um, and so that's good. I mean, you got to think through, you know, the old adage is we must enter the conversation going on in the mind of the prospect, yeah. right? What are they thinking? What are they struggling with? What, where are the, the obstacles? Um, you know, get, get a rookie, you know, mm -hmm. get your grandmother, you know, to click through the software, see where she gets stuck. You know, I think we all assume, oh, we're smart and experienced, but we know where to click. It's not always obvious, um, you know, so make sure I, yeah. it's. Yeah. And more importantly, like, yeah. And not only usability as well, if it's even perfect usability, you may not always understand what the tool for, you may not always see the vision behind, right? But if you got sold on this vision of how it can benefit your business, uh, you'll just basically, You'll, you'll just get a bit uh, absolutely different perspective. Hey, we'll help you grow sales. By the way, we have a tool for this, right? So that should be selling the approach first and tool is secondary. Very cool. Well, I am linking to your software, reply.io. You've got a free 14-day trial. Uh, and I encourage everyone to give it a shot, see how it works and, uh, and make more sales, more money, right? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> uh, so how is it over in the Ukraine now? Is it locked down and, and totally crazy like the U.S. has been, or is it easing up? I think it's easing up but as well. Right now, actually, I'm in Egypt. I just want, again, you didn't ask, so I'm originally from Ukraine, but I went for the three months. I went to Egypt, and there's a couple of reasons. I think this could be useful for your audience as well. First of all, because uh, I think I decided for myself, I want to have um, like three months really focused work, fitness, and self-development. So I decided it will be much easier for me to do this in Egypt and sign in five-star all-inclusive hotel for the price of $50 per day with meals. So it's, it's, it's insanely cheap for the U.S. With meals? Yeah, with meals. It's $50 per day with meals. Oh, sign meal. me up. Yeah, so basically, I live in here. I don't worry about food. I have gym on the uh, hotel territory. I have a good trainer here. I have uh, I swim in the uh, sea. I pay for that only $50 a day. And as well, I want to say, and I save in money. So even in Ukraine, I spend more per month this, than this money. So virtually, it's really good, basically, way to focus. And I think I got this idea from writers. So writer, when they want to write from a who? book. Oh, writer. like yeah. Writers. When, when they want to want a book, they usually will go, let's say, for three months and close uh, themselves in a house somewhere, maybe with some other writers. And they would write a book in this three months. So I thought, hey, it's winter, it's COVID, nothing out there happening. So I just want to close myself uh, somewhere and just focus on a few things that I think important for a short period of time. So um, Egypt was just more open. I mean, a lot of countries, yeah. well, I guess as long as you quarantine. Yeah, Egypt, you just can't enter it easily. So basically just need to have uh, like PCR test and that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and where are you in Egypt? Yeah, so actually it's a good question as well. So the city where I am is called El Guna. And what is interesting about this city that it's only 30 years old city. It's, it's city. it's a private city, I, would, I can call it. Anyone can enter it. But the private meeting uh, is they have their own security. And it's a city that's been built by like one company, by one architectural plan. So it's wow. really beautiful city with, uh, with, with well planted, with a lot of, uh, how to say, which beautiful like, architecture. And um, it's kind of, it's considered as a resort, but uh, uh, a lot of Egyptians come here just for the vacation, but it's really, it's not like uh, any, anything in Egypt. So basically you, you have like a piece of Europe inside of Egypt. So because rose, everything is here is super polished. And, um, and, and where, while, where is it? Is it on the Mediterranean? 
it's close to Hugeda. Yeah, so basically it's close to this uh, Red Sea. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's an interesting concept as well. I started researching this. I think this interesting thing I was I found that uh, in U.S. there is already two private cities as well. There's cities in U.S. that's been built by... And, and I think this could grow in future. So cities get built not by governments, but by private companies. And it's interesting. Gotcha. So that's up... Um... Close to what? Like close to the Gulf of Suez, kind of the northern edge of the Red Sea. Uh, yeah, it's closer to the north edge, so it's close to Hurghada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and, oh yeah, that's so smart. Can you can you tell my wife and and kids that I, I need to write a book and um, I need to write ten books, so I'm gonna be gone. Or Twelve books. Uh, I'll be gone yeah. three years. We just live at a hotel with you. We hang out. We, we write code. We write books. We go swim. Yeah, let's do it. But I would suggest you know, come here with family. I mean, even with family, you can afford it. And I won't get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> no, makes sense. So, so how, how did you get there? Do you fly into Cairo and take like a regional or jet down? Or is it? Oh, I think there was planes to Florida. far from Cairo, huh? Yeah, so there's a plane to Horgi, so you can go through Cairo, but as well in Ukraine, we have just I mean, a lot of tourists comes to Egypt. So we have this uh, kind of uh, planes that could go like, from Kiev right to like this Hurghada. So it's not a problem. And actually, it's a cheap flight. So for me, it's like $200 flight as well from Ukraine. I don't, from US, obviously, it will be more expensive. But really, I believe, again, if, yeah, so. Um, I don't know if if you work remotely, you could basically experiment with this, and uh, I, I think as well as for me, uh, I mean, right? I, I should be honest as well. Myself here, I I'm, feel like I live as a king, right? In this hotel, people making food for me. But from the other side, I kind of realized that these people who are in Egypt right now, they don't have much choice about COVID, and all the hotels are half empty, so it's a bit uh, depressing situation. So, uh, but again, I, I'm a big believer that uh, like in future, as we get more global and global, the level of life and opportunities will be uh, more kind of aligned across different countries. Mm -hmm. um, I did two short tours in the UAE way back in 94, 95. Mm -hmm. uh, even back then it was very relaxed. I mean, they had like, they had, pubs uh, i'd go with my british friends and you know we could have a pint uh is egypt more relaxed like that or is it a little more strict um in its you know rules for for westerners i think it's relaxed but if you go into city like cairo or like again not not that tourist place like el guna we may have a lot of basically um, how to say people who would try to sell you anything because again it's hard to make money for people in Egypt so you will see a lot of people uh, who try to either trick you or try to sell you something so mm -hmm. it's a bit uh, tricky so you're getting attention if you're a tourist and especially if you're going non to non-tourist places like Cairo or some other cities yeah but, I mean like, can you order a beer in your hotel um, yeah, so we have all that. Yeah, so it's not, yeah, in a hotel, it's, yeah, and or in Elguna, it's everything is relaxed. So you, it's a bar, pub, so it's pretty open, pretty relaxed. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people listening, I mean, they, they may not even realize, but a friend of mine, I had him on the podcast, uh, but uh, went to the Air Force Academy, he was younger than me, but um, he married, he was a pilot, then he became a reporter he married a girl from the Ukraine and he's been a war correspondent. He's, he's traveled the world, but um, I mean, y'all are on a full on war with Russia right now. Right. That's right. On the East. Yeah. And um, how do you compartmentalize, you know, it's uh, cause we're spoiled in the U S right. I mean, we had 9-11, which is obviously terrible, but it, it was a one-time attack, right? Pearl Harbor, you know, hardly anybody's still alive that remembers it, right? Certainly nobody that's young. I mean, they, they forget it even happened. And even then, still one-time attack. Your war with Russia is, what, five years going yeah. or more? Yeah. 
That's right. So I think it's been not super active. Uh, for, again, it's been active at the beginning where a lot of people sadly died, a lot of soldiers and just civilians. But for the I think it was mostly on the first year. For the last four years, it's just uh, basically it's just tensions there. And I think every month someone died, but it's uh, but it's not like very how to say it's not like. Uh, where it goes like like passive work. I don't know how, how we call it. So where we only, like everyone keeps their territory and, and have just some tension to be. But uh, but again, we always uh, live in at risk. As in Russia, I mean, at one point want to just uh, make, come back to more active kind of, um, into more active war. Right, so it's kind of like always, yeah. There's always rumors. So when the Russia will do that, when that Russia right. is preparing, Russia is, is that, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, kind of so like know. like Israel, right? Just yeah. just always ag, always ready. Yeah. Maybe some shooting, then it stops. So yeah, but that tension's think, always there. Yeah, I think with Russia, U.S. is balancing as well. I think it's, it all goes. Um, I think as well as the battle for world power as well, and U.S., Russia, China, we we all balancing with that, right? So, for example, if Russia right now took over Ukraine, this will be a treat for Europe, right? So, if today they took Europe, tomorrow they'll take some other countries. So, uh, I think that's why I think they and that's why we have a support, and it's we're thankful for that from countries like Canada, like U.S., the against uh, redefining territories in this age. Right, so mm-hmm. this territory of Ukraine, this Russia, we should stay the same. We shouldn't move it. And uh, yeah, so it's. I think it's if this conflict happened, it's just it's it's a global conflict. Could be. Yeah. Crazy times. Yeah. You're still getting it done. Yeah, that's we need to keep moving and go to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> so really keep moving. All right. Yes. Well, when you go to Mars, just leave me the key to your hotel room, okay? And I'll just okay, sure. I'll just move in right behind you. <laughs> just, just fifty You're, bucks per day, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Very cool. All right, so so tell me because uh, we we were talking before we hit record. So tell me your last your real last name and how you spell it. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good question. My real last name is Bilozor. So it's B-I-L-O-Z-O-R, Bilozor. Very nice. Now so you, uh, you'll be like John Cougar Mellencamp, all right? <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. You know his music? Uh, not really. <laughs> you'll have to look him up because he, you know, Mellencamp. I mean, that's like a long name here in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. So he, he I, I think his middle name is Cougar, but mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure. He may have just kept that as well, but. Uh, but he went by John Cougar forever. And then he's like, I'm going to use my real name. So now you know him as John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, so the same thing happened with me. Like Campbell, it's me name I came up with when I was living in Canada. And now maybe <laughs> I'll just come back to my real name. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's a global world, man. Make everybody learn how to pronounce your name and where you're from. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right, Oleg, Reply.io founder, all the way from Egypt. Thanks for coming to the show, man. It's been great catching up. Okay, thanks a lot, Russ. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. Have a good night. So I should have known this. You know, I minored in Russian for a bit at the Air Force Academy and geography. And it's not the Ukraine. It's just Ukraine. But old habits are hard to break. Um, I told you you'd like this. I hope you liked it. I love his story. I love his approach. Just his down home, uh, humility, you know, willing to get it done. Uh, I love the way he, he took his pay and paid others back home, uh, because they were, uh, more affordable, right? They're less expensive to code, to execute his vision, you know, whatever it takes. We had that motto in the football team at the air force Academy. I had it engraved on my, on my ring on the inside of my ring whatever it takes, you know, get it done. Um, we have some interesting times in this country. It's like the stock market's booming, cryptocurrency is booming, inflation's everywhere. The federal government says it's not, but go buy some lumber, go buy some gas, go buy anything, <laughs> go buy a house. Cedar Park, Texas, a suburb north of Austin, up 39% last year. 
Uh, a friend of mine sold three houses today. Um, we were up 20% in this area. Homes homes in all over Austin, in the Dallas area where my sister is, $200,000 over asking. Um, it's, it's crazy. So things are going up. Uh, but there's still people drawing unemployment, still restaurants are closed. Uh, even when they open, they, they can't get um, enough staff to open fully. Uh, so there's, there's just things that still aren't making sense to me. So plow ahead, okay? Um, there's I think 2021 is going to be a great year to make a lot of money. If you hustle, get after it, and you prepare. Prepare, I think we got a hard rain coming a uh, hard reset, but if you've paid down your bills, you got some money in the bank, you got some systems built, some processes, some skills, uh, whatever happens, you'll be ready. You can adapt to it. Um, that's the beauty of, of becoming an expert. You know, I watch my jujitsu instructor and he's just calm. You know, whatever you throw at him, he knows he can handle. Uh, I've been training a lot in the mornings. We've got a big group of beginners. And um, I've been going two to three days a week at 6 a.m. Uh, it's it's good to open up my day, first of all. Uh, so that's been nice. But, um, you know, making some friends and, and it's easier on my old body <laughs> training with new guys. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, it cuts both ways. Uh, usually the scariest dude in the gym is a brand new big white belt because they're just big and strong and spastic and just totally unpredictable. Uh, and, you know, it's not a UFC fight, so we do have some rules, right? There's things you can and cannot do. And so when you play by the rules, when you're accustomed to playing by the rules and you fight somebody that doesn't, it's it's actually pretty dangerous. So you got to be on your toes. But conversely, once they're there for a little bit, they calm down, they understand the rules, um, how we go about things. They're not doing any crazy holds and, you know, things that, that could injure your your opponent, your training buddy. But once you get going, then uh, then they're they're easy, right? It's easy to even with a big white belt, you can uh, kind of have your way with them. So it's nice that I'm just not getting beat up as much, you know, still going 5 and 6 days a week, but it's not 5 and 6 100% crushing rolls every time. Uh but anyway, I I like going uh, with these guys because whatever they throw at me, I know I can handle, you know, and that's with just four years of practice. So I've been in sales 24 years on my own for 15 years. So I'm pretty well positioned, you know, to pivot as they say. Uh, but it's from a lot of ups and downs. Okay. There's no real shortcut. So if you're worried that a year from now, 18 months from now, things are going to shift for the worse, then get ready. You have a year, 18 months, two years to prepare. Okay. You know, I appreciate you listening to this. I hope you take action, though, from what we talk about. I hope this interview with Oleg inspires you to launch your own software, hire your own overseas assistant. I mean, whatever, you know, get something out of this. Um, and apply it. Okay. If you need sales training, if you need business coaching, if you need uh, leadership coaching, you need marketing help, you need the right CRM for your platform, for your, for your company, you need the cadence built out, the sales enablement tied into your, from marketing to sales, let's talk. All right. That's what I do. If you want the on-demand stuff, it's makeeverysale.com. If you want live training with me every week, then that's sellmoreofeverything.com. All right. Invest in yourself in a year and save yourself a grip. Thanks for listening. I'll go sell something.